there. You, yeah, you. Have you ever told your friends about Counter Melody? I mean, if you like Counter Melody, that is. Because if you do, and if you haven't told them, actually, now would be the best time to do it. Because for the first time in nearly two years, my listenership appears to have taken a deep plunge. I know lots of you out there love listening to it. And as an added plus, the episodes are shorter. Now, today's is going to be a little bit longer again, but that's because it's a big topic and there's so much to talk about. So listen, this would be a great time before the month of October, my birthday month, begins. Why don't you tell your friends about how great the podcast is and that they really want to subscribe and listen? I mean, there are so many episodes to choose from. Today is episode 216, for goodness sake, okay? So do me a favor and please speak well of the podcast and encourage your friends to download and listen to it. And not just this month, either. Thanks! Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world. Thank you for joining me on that path. And now, this week's episode. <coughs> well, hello, listeners. Welcome to my very coffee home here. I have been sick for nearly two weeks, and I have managed to also transmit my illness to David, which makes me very sad, makes him pretty sad, too. Anyway, it has been a very, very busy time here with non-podcast, non-music-related jobs, and all of that being performed through this veil of illness. So, this week's episode is a little late getting out, but I'm very excited, nonetheless, to present to you today the works, and specifically the songs, of the Austrian composer Josef Marx, who lived from 1882 to 1964. Let's start with one of his most famous songs, Selige Nacht, Night of Bliss, set to a text by Otto Erich Hartleben, probably most famous for the German translation of Albert Giraud's cycle of poems, Pierrot Lunaire, Alban Berg's setting of this text was one that he chose for inclusion in his group of so-called seven early songs. As I say, Marx's setting of the text is called Selige Nacht, and in this 1937 performance we hear the great Lotte Lehmann with the Hungarian pianist Erno Baloch. <laughs> Thank you. 
Much of what I've learned about Josef Marx for this episode is available on two different websites, one the Josef Marx Gesellschaft and the other simply josefmarx.org, a website which was maintained by the author Berkant Haydn, who was almost single-handedly responsible for the resurgence of interest in the music of Josef Marx beginning in the last years of the 20th century and moving into the new millennium. The website is no longer actively maintained, but there's still a ton of information there, and I recommend it to everyone who wants to learn more about this fascinating figure. He was born in Graz on the 11th of May, 1882, the son of a doctor. His mother was his first music teacher. He studied philosophy and history at the University of Graz, but was, for the most part, self-taught as a musician. His first significant output was between the years 1908 and 1912, when he wrote approximately 120 of the 150 songs in his catalog. As a composer, Marx is most often compared to Richard Strauss and Hugo Wolf but he has his own distinct thumbprint as well in the emotional way that he approaches the texts and in some of his harmonic language. But I've also seen him compared to Debussy, Karl Szymanowski, Arnold Bax, and Frederick Delius also to some extent, although I don't really hear that. One of Marx's most important collections of songs are from the collection by Paul Heise entitled the Italienisches Liederbuch. Of course, the 46 songs set by Hugo Wolf are the most famous of these settings. And in the case of Marx, he chose 16 poems that were not set by Hugo Wolf. And during an eight-day compositional streak in the year 1912, he set 16 of those, including many which are among his most famous the genesis for this podcast was a 10-inch LP that I purchased a number of years ago that appeared on the Austrian label Amedeo. It featured 12 songs of Josef Marx, all accompanied by the composer and featuring two marvelous singers, most famous for their appearances at the Wiener Staatsoper. First, lyric coloratura Wilma Lipp, and second, lyric tenor Anton der Mota. I'm producing a bonus episode this week of Marx's leader in recordings in which he himself is the accompanist. I'm playing these two for you right now, but there is also the bonus episode, which, for those of you who are interested, will be posting maybe today, maybe tomorrow. If you do want to be a Patreon supporter, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody, and you too can become a supporter of the podcast. Now, some have written to me recently wanting to support the podcast financially, but not wanting to support it via Patreon. And that is also a possibility. So if you contact me privately, we can discuss that option. And by the way, if you do support the podcast that way, I will still make sure that you get all of the bonus material. So, the first setting from the Italienisches Liederbuch that we're going to hear is the Venezianisches Wiegenlied. I will sing you a lullaby. At midnight, you will hear a bell toning, but it won't be my bell. 
it will be the one that belongs to Santa Lucia. And when she rings that bell, the saints and the angels will appear, and they will make music and play upon their violins, and therewith will cease all suffering and all tears. Vilma Lipp was born in Austria in 1925 and died there in January 2019. She was one of the most important members of the Wiener Staatsoper, appearing not only as Queen of the Night, which was her most famous role, a role which she sang around the world, but also for her appearances as Constanze, Zerbinetta, Adele, Lucia di Lammermoor. Later, she moved on also to more lyrical parts, including Musetta, Pamina, and Eva in Meistersinger. She performed for nearly 40 years at the Wiener Staatsoper, and in 1981, gave her farewell there as Mariana Leitmetzerin in Rosenkavalier in a performance conducted by Karian, who was one of her early mentors. Now here is the Venezianisches Wiegenlied with Vilma Lipp accompanied by the composer.
Next, we shall hear the tenor Anton der Mota, who lived from 1910 to 1989. He was born in what was then the Austro-Hungarian Empire and is today Slovenia. Like Julia Varadi, he also made his operatic debut in the city of Cluj many years before, in 1934. From there, he went directly at the invitation of Bruno Walter to the Wiener Staatsoper, where he became a particular favorite and sang roles from all of the Mozart heroes to Florestan in Fidelio for the reopening of the house in 1955. For his 70th birthday, he sang Tamino at the Wiener Staatsoper and the following year appeared as the shepherd in Carlos Kleiber's recording of Tristan. We shall hear him, also accompanied by Josef Marx, in the song Waldseligkeit, set to a text by Richard Demel. The woods begin to rustle, and night approaches the trees, as if it were listening for the right moment in which to caress them. Under their branches I am entirely alone. I am entirely myself, and entirely yours. I'm sure you've noticed that Marx is very good at responding to these texts with just the right kind of hyper-romantic effusion that has made his music, in particular his songs, so popular with so many, both singers and audiences. Let us listen now to one of the lesser-known settings of Paul Heise from the Italienisches Liederbuch. This is the song Die Tote Braut, the Dead Bride. It's sung here by the Austrian mezzo-soprano Angelika Kirchschlager, accompanied by the American pianist Anthony Speary. Kirchschlager is one of a large number of recent singers who have admirably performed the songs of Josef Marx. For reasons of timing, we're not hearing most of those singers on this recording, but let me just draw them to your attention. German soprano Simone Nolt, British soprano Sarah Leonard, German soprano Martina Serafin, American sopranos 
Dinah Bryant and Angela Maria Blasi, the latter of whom recorded memorably many of Marx's orchestral songs, as did American soprano Christine Brewer and German soprano Juliane Banze. The protagonist of Die Tote Braut addresses the apple blossom and says, When I have been laid in my coffin, bring me the candle that I used to burn for my lover. And when I lie there, he shall enter the church. And when he cries out in sorrow, I shall open my eyes and smile at him. When he laughs at his departed bride, I shall open my eyes and weep aloud. And when he speaks and says, My dear, how I loved you, I shall look at him and say, Pray for me now. Even in the earlier years of the century, Marx's songs were very much cherished by singers. 
He combines that gorgeous lyricism that one associates with Strauss with also a good deal of introspection in a very different way than Hugo Wolf was, perhaps. But it's interesting to compare sometimes when Marx sets poems that were set more famously by other composers. For instance, this next one, a setting by Josef von Eichendorff called here Erinnerung, Remembrance. This poem is much more famous in its setting by Robert Schumann in his Opus 39, Liederkreis. In that cycle, there are two different songs entitled In der Fremde. This is the second of the two. I hear the brooks rushing thither and yon in the woods, and in those woods I no longer know where I am. The nightingales sing in the solitude as if they would speak of the olden times. The moonbeams dart, and in them I can see a castle lying far away in the valley. In that castle, in the garden, full of white and red roses, my sweetheart waits for me, though she has been dead, lo, these many years. The singer here is the fascinating German-Austrian soprano Irmgard Seyfried, who lived from 1919 to 1988, and with whom I have one of the most complicated relationships of all singers that I love. When she is at her best, she is the most miraculously spontaneous singer that I know. She often took on roles that were somewhat beyond her vocally, and also her technique fell apart fairly early on. But when she was in her prime, she was the greatest Mozart soubrette of her time, and by far the greatest leader singer of that era. In fact, she works her magic here in this 1951 recording accompanied by her frequent collaborator, Eric Verba, who was also a student of Josef Marx. I don't know how she does it, but she makes the words come to life in a way that very, very few, if any, singers have ever done before or after her. Ich weiß 
Speaking of singers who were, in some sense or other, miracles, who better fits that designation than Leontine Price? She often programmed the songs of Josef Marx, and there are a few miscellaneous recordings of her singing Marx. I remember when I heard her live at UW-Madison, I believe it was in January 1982, she did a group of Josef Marx songs. And in fact, I think it was more or less the same set that she sang a year prior at the Lyric Opera of Chicago when she gave a recital there. Some intrepid person snuck in there and recorded that recital. And thank goodness they did, because we have an example which has since been published on YouTube, by the way, of Leontine Price in her most glorious voice and singing a wide range of repertoire, many of the songs and arias of which she did not record elsewhere. The drawback is that it's a very, very distant recording, and though I have tried to gussy it up a little bit, there's just so much that one with my limited knowledge can do. But here she is singing the song Der Ton, the sound, accompanied, of course, by her usual collaborator, David Garvey. Within me there sings a deep tone, so heavily and so rich with gold. I am like a mighty lord, a king in robe and crown. When night leans mutely against the window panes, then the golden sound sings through my heart and my mind, swallowing my thoughts from one yesteryear to another out into the bustle of the world. The sound carries me to foreign shores where the stars stand together in a dance. My heart wants to dissolve for happiness into long, stormy chords. This text is a translation by the poet and writer Heinrich Gobel of an original text by the Norwegian Nobel Prize-winning writer Knut Hamsun. (laughs) 
While most of Marx's songs are most suitable for high voices, sopranos and tenors, and quite frankly, primarily sopranos, they also are occasionally sung by lower voices. As an illustration, we're going to hear a 1938 recording by the American baritone John Charles Thomas of the song Gebet, set to a text by Gustav Falke. Lord, let me every now and then be hungry, for to always be satiated makes one dull and lazy. And send me enemies, for battle keeps one's powers vigorous. Give me also light feet to play and dance, the power of flight into the golden distance. And hang the full wreath higher for me in the stars. It's interesting to compare the two poems set by Hugo Wolf and by Josef Marx, both entitled Gebet. Wolf's is a setting by the poet and pastor Eduard Mörike, and is, I would say, a much more distinguished poem than the one that Josef Marx set. But both of these composers were Austrian, and both of them are frequently compared one to the other. But here is a big difference. Wolf was an innovator. He was constantly choosing to take harmony in unusual and unexpected directions. 
while Josef Marx was much more of a traditionalist. One might get the impression from that last song that Marx was a guy who was looking for a fight. And in a way, you could say that he was. And he had a platform on which to fight. His fight was against the avant-garde and for a return to tonality. Unluckily for him, he found a platform and that platform has proven to be retroactively problematic. In 1914, he joined the faculty of the University for the Performing Arts in Vienna. Later, he became the director of the institution in 1922, and from 1931 to 38, he was also the music critic for the Neues Wiener Journal, and later also the Wiener Zeitung. So he wielded a very strong influence on musical taste. And unfortunately for him, a traditionalist who spoke out quite vehemently against the avant-garde, the Nazis used him as a mouthpiece for a return to traditionalism. The Marx specialist Berkant Haydn has weighed in quite strongly on this issue what he considers to be false accusations against Marx of having been in allegiance with the Nazis. According to Mr. Haydn, this was primarily an aesthetic stance that unfortunately marched in step, if you will, with the Nazi ideology of traditionalism. And unfortunately, many of the avant-gardists against whom Marx invade were also Jewish. But according to anecdotal evidence, Marx did everything he could to avoid direct contact with the Nazis. He refused to give the Nazi salute. In his writings, there's never any pledge of allegiance for the Nazi regime. And furthermore, he appears to have used the power of his platform and his standing with the Nazis to help those who found themselves in life-or-death situations. Many of his students, many other people with whom he came in contact, who were Jews and who came to him for help, which he quietly provided to them. But this is something that people have to decide for themselves, and I never believe in dismissing artists for their political views. Goodness knows if that were the case, there were a number of singers that I've done episodes on that I never would have even discussed or considered. I do, however, draw the line at out-and-out Nazis, and I do not consider Marx to have been one of those. A much less serious accusation volleyed at Josef Marx is that in his music, he displays absolutely no sense of humor, such as exhibited by both Wolf and Strauss, the two composers with whom he is most frequently compared. But I beg to differ with that. I hear a good deal of humor in some of his more aphoristic settings, including one of the poem Warnung, set to a text by an unknown poet. Mozart himself also set this text, and it's a warning for fathers to keep their precious daughters under lock and key because men are always out there looking for something to snack on. 
In this recording, we're going to hear the wonderful American soprano Kendra Colton, accompanied by Laura Ward. This is the most recent of the performances that I'm featuring. This recording was part of a full CD of Josef Mark's songs released in the year 2020. I spoke earlier of Eric Verba, who was not only a student of Josef Marx, but also accompanied many different singers in recordings and performances of songs by Marx, and also wrote a musical biography of his former teacher. We're going to hear him accompanying the Swedish-British soprano Dorothy Irving in a song called Vintreda, Windmills. Dorothy Irving who lived from 1927 to 2018, was born in London, but lived for many, many years in Sweden, where she taught and performed, and in fact also studied under the great Lotte Lehmann. She later became well-known as a teacher. Before she died, she established a scholarship currently administered through the Concert House in Stockholm, to promote and preserve the art of the lead. The text to the song Windreda is by Oscar Falke. The windmills are turning, the wind sings so sweetly in their blades. The wind sings its song of dream and death. The windmills turn red in the sunset's glow. The windmills turn and my soul listens to the song which fades away in the deepest night. As the autumn wind laughs and threatens, windmills turn through night and death. Thank you. 
Some of Josef Marx's most memorable songs are those that were set for voice and instrumental obligato. There's one I'd like to recommend in particular that was too long to include on the podcast, Pan Trauert um Syrinx, The God Pan Mourns for Syrinx. It's set for flute, high soprano, and piano. I'd like to offer you, instead, an extremely beautiful song from the same group, all set to poems by Anton Wildgans and set for voice and different instruments. In this case, the second of the set, it is the viola, and the song is called Durch Einsamkeiten. Through solitudes, enclosures of wild forests, fog-shrouded expanses, my path takes me. Far over the mountain, at peaceful waters, a ferryman awaits me. He shall row me, well, to a silent country, eternally avoided, and yet eternally desired to peace. In this recording, we shall hear one of my favorite singers, and one on whom I am planning a full episode, the Japanese-German mezzo-soprano Mitsuko Shirai, surely one of the greatest leader singers of the late 20th century, who, along with her husband, the pianist Hartmut Höhl, has done much to promote and glorify German art song. The duo are heard here in tandem with the violist Tabia Zimmermann. Thank you. 
I have one more song to offer you, also accompanied by Eric Verba. This features the esteemed Austrian tenor Waldemar Kment, who lived from 1929 to 2015 and was also an esteemed member of long-standing of the Wiener Staatsoper. This is a setting by Rainer Maria Rilke called Traum gekrönt, crowned with dreams. There are such wonderfully white nights when all things appear silver. Many a star shimmers so gently as if it were bringing pious shepherds to a new baby Jesus. Fields and floods appear as if strewn with dense diamond dust, and in hearts as if in a dream a churchless faith rises that quietly works its miracles. This recording is from the year 1951, and therefore Valdemar Kement was very, very young. It was made under the auspices of the Austrian radio on the 15th of December, 1951. Another pianist who studied with Josef Marx, who clearly, according to the recorded evidence, was himself a masterful pianist, was Paul Ulanowski, who, of course, is most famous for having been Lotte Lehmann's late career accompanist, 
but who also taught at the University of Illinois, where I got my degree in accompanying. Ulanovsky died suddenly in the year 1968, and he was succeeded at the University of Illinois by my teacher, John Mustman. We've heard Ulanovsky repeatedly on this podcast, and we shall hear him again in the next song, one of the most interesting of Marx's output. At the beginning of the episode, we heard a setting by Marx of a poem by Otto Erich Hartleben. Hartleben is remembered today primarily as the translator of the poems of Albert Giraud, who wrote that gruesome, lurid cycle, Pierrot Lunaire, later made immortal through the settings of Arnold Schoenberg. I can't think of two composers who were contemporaries, who have less in common, I would say, than Josef Marx and Arnold Schoenberg. So it's very interesting to hear Marx's response to this Valse de Chopin, Chopin Waltz, as a pale drop of blood stains the lips of a sick person. So lurks within this music the lure of annihilation, fierce, exulting, sweet, and yearning, melancholy, dismal waltz. You cling to my consciousness and are borne on my thoughts like a pale drop of blood. The singer here is the extraordinary Bulgarian soprano Luba Velic, who for a few brief years blazed like a comet on the operatic firmament, singing roles like Donanna, Amelia in Ballo, Tosca, Aida, Musetta, and most famously, Zalome. She was also an important member of the Wiener Staatsoper, but made a huge impact as Zalome all around the world. But already by the very early 50s, she was exhibiting signs of vocal decline. That said, her fearless performances of Salome, in particular, have earned her a place in operatic history. This recording of Valse de Chopin was made in the year 1950 and went unpublished for nearly 25 years.
Next, we shall hear another of Marx's most famous songs called Marian Lied, Song in Praise of Mary, set to a text by the German aristocrat who went by the pen name Novalis. In a thousand images I see you, Mary, lovingly depicted, but none of them portray you the way that my soul sees you. I know that since you imprinted yourself on my heart, the turmoils of this world have drifted away like a dream, and there remains in my thoughts a sweet and unnameable heaven. Joseph Marx may have composed the majority of his songs before the year 1912, but over and over he would produce orchestral versions of these same songs, often at the request of singers who wanted to perform them with orchestra. So with the Marian Lied, we're going to hear the orchestral version of this song sung by the great American soprano Arlene Auger. This was a recording that was made in Vienna for the Austrian radio in the year 1981. And we hear the conductor Miliziades Caridis conducting the Tonkünstler Orchester Niederösterreich. There is a particularly luscious moment for solo violin at the end of this orchestral version that, of course, one doesn't encounter in the version for piano accompaniment only.
the later works of Josef Marx are almost exclusively instrumental ones, either chamber music, piano music, or orchestral music. These works are all more frequently performed and recorded in the last 30 or so years than they ever had been before. Many years after writing the majority of his songs, Josef Marx once again turned to song in his late cycle Verklärtes Jahr, Transfigured Year, composed between 1930 and 1932. This cycle exists in two different forms, accompanied by piano and for full orchestra. We're going to hear the third song from the cycle in its orchestral garb. This is In Meiner Träume Heimat. In the homeland of my dreams, you still burst into flower. Your song still resounds. In the homeland of my dreams, no flower can wither, no song can fade. In the homeland of my dreams, a gentle spring continues to reign. There you sing and bloom, and both song and blossoms fall into eternity to the glory of our love. In this recording from the year 2003, we hear the German-Greek mezzo-soprano Stella Dufexis. Right around the time this recording was made, I sang with Stella in some concerts that were led by the German conductor Helmut Rehling. Sadly, Stella died long before her time, in December of 2015, of cancer, at the age of only 47. She was a gifted and versatile singer who sang a wide range of repertoire. In this recording, we hear Stephen Sloan leading the Bochum Symphony Orchestra. Thank you. 
Joseph Marx died on the 3rd of September 1964 at the age of 82. Alongside his legacy as a composer, he also taught a large number of students, both composers and pianists. He also wrote a number of important prose works on music, including one published the year of his death on the meaning and interpretation of music. But I dare say he's most remembered for his compositions and especially his songs. We're going to close with what is most likely his most famous song, another of those poems from the Italienisches Liederbuch by Paul Heise. This is Hat dich die Liebe berührt. In this recording, the earliest of the recordings of Marx Lieder that we have sampled today, we hear the British soprano Florence Easton. In 1918, she sang the role of Lauretta in the premiere of Gianni Schicchi, the third of Puccini's Il Trittico, at the Metropolitan Opera. She later became even more celebrated as a Wagnerian. She left a large recorded legacy, which included everything from O mio babbino caro to the final scene from Siegfried, opposite Loritz Melchior. And this recording, one of six that she made with the pianist Gerald Moore in the year 1933. If love has touched you, then you walk quietly among the noisy throng in a golden cloud, led safely by a god. As if lost, you let your gaze stray about. You do not begrudge others their joys. You yearn only for one thing, timidly withdrawn into yourself in rapture. You vainly try to hide that now the crown of life glowingly adorns your brow.
dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Guntlach.